0: greetings crew members and welcome or welcome back to at least there's a dog a star trek enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the star trek series that whatever its flaws undeniably has the most dog we are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's episode, we will be discussing episode three Strange New World, because Aldous Huxley already took the more poetic Shakespearean title 70 years ago.
1: Mm hmm. Well, this episode was very special because until about two seconds ago, this was the episode we were recording with the most dog. But then Lucy walked away.
0: Yeah. She's decided this is not the night for enforced snuggles. No. You might still hear her in the background, though.
1: But the TV episode still had some dog.
0: It did still have some dog. That was one of the good things it had.
1: Yes. Definitely.
0: This episode was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. This was... <laughs> we'll get that out of the way up front.
1: Yeah, this is not actually a good episode. It was actually rather delightful for about... What was that? About one-third of it?
0: Yeah, something like that. And, like, it was... Fun stupid for a lot of other parts.
1: Yeah, but um, it was but definitely stupid.
0: Emphasis on the stupid part.
1: Yeah. So, shall we begin?
0: I guess we shall. So, what happened this week? I have my summary all ready to go. Bring it. Land Ho! The Enterprise has happened upon a Rahim Mitsubishi? Mars
1: Capone?
0: Midi Chlorian? Mars Capone. Mars Capone. M-class planet that uh, sure does remind everybody of Earth. Stodgy...
1: Like is is Minshara even a word or is it just like... It bulk? is now. I guess so.
0: Probably somebody's name. But anyway, it doesn't sound
1: like a very delicious cheese, so...
0: Uh, no, no, it doesn't. No. Also, there are no delicious cheeses because cheese is bad. But anyway... That is...
1: That's a topic for another podcast.
0: Anyway, as I was saying... Stodgy old stick-upper-butt Paul wants to do boring stuff like scan the planet and make sure it's not going to kill them before they go and get on its surface. But Archer and his go-getters are having none of that Vulcan noise. Trip, Mayweather, two ensigns, and boring old T'Paul go down for a research mission-slash-camping trip where they pick flowers and tell ghost stories around the campfire. That was the good part. That was the good part. But danger strikes... As a nighttime storm drives our heroes into a dark, scary cave, the four humans start to notice that the rocks and T'Pol have started to behave in very mysterious ways. This causes Trip Tucker to do his very best impersonation of Bad Kirk in The Enemy Within. (laughs) Has T'Pol betrayed them? Will they make it through the night away from the ship? Is Scott Vacula just flat out reading his lines off the wall of Sick Bay? The star of the show, Porthos, frolics happily in the alien grass.
1: No, that was that was great. Like I love it. so this is their first uh their first away mission onto a uh...
0: A soundstage.
1: Yeah, onto the a soundstage. Favorite
0: location of all Star Trek so away this, missions. Was
1: this supposed? I guess this is their first away mission mission onto a world that had never had people on it before
0: or something? Uh not totally clear. Like, I assume that it had never had people on it before. Yeah, I
1: think so. Because I was going to say, like, I know that uh, last episode, they definitely stopped on a planet to give it a snail. Um, Yes, the gift of snail. But I assume that that planet already had people on it.
0: Not clear. Like, we don't see any people. We just see the snail and some rocks.
1: And the argon atmosphere that they're breathing just fine
0: presumably, yeah. since the snail's gonna be okay. But that was last episode. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was last episode. This episode opens with uh, a couple of characters who we've never seen before and probably will never see again. Probably. Um, Who were just like, ooh, ah, at this uh, bright, shiny planet that Enterprise just pulled up to.
0: Yeah, they're all looking at the window going, is the captain gonna make an announcement about this? Yeah. And at first I thought one of them was Trip or possibly Malcolm and then realized he was wearing the wrong color.
1: Ah, it's a continuing problem.
0: Sure is. Oh, well. Like, is that a thing? Do the captains usually, like, make an, and on your right, we have blah, blah, blah planet here type announcement when they find a new planet? They should. Yeah, they probably should. Or somebody should. That actually seems like a good job for the comms officer. Yeah. 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 You know, the comms officer needs more jobs.
1: Yeah. She had something to do this episode.
0: She did. I actually kind of appreciated her in the much smaller role. She was more subdued this week, (laughs) but also less in focus. That might have had something to do with it. The people who were in focus were very much not subdued.
1: Yep. Anyway, so they're all really excited about this planet. And I actually really like how they, as they're coming down in their uh, shuttle pod they're like all crowding around the windows. That was a cool shot. Because now they're Because the shuttle pod has small windows. Yeah. Like this is not 23rd, 24th century luxury. No, you got little airplane windows you got to look out of. And they're all super excited. And so they take like a full away team down there.
0: It was a cute little montage where like Scott Bakula was doing his John Wayne face and um, Trip whose actor's name is something... Connor Trenier? Connor Trenier, that's right. And he's kind of got like a, an excited but nervous face on, and then Mayweather is just like, I sure do like being on TV, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and uh, importantly, Porthos goes and uh, pees on a tree.
0: Yep, it's very important.
1: Now Porthos owns the planet.
0: Yep, it is planet Porthos. As good a name for it as any.
1: I think that's how dogs doing that works.
0: Yep. And uh, it turns out uh, that Planet Porthos is covered in a kind of hallucinogenic pollen. Yeah. Which if you sniff the flowers or if some of the pollen gets blown in your face, uh, you don't get uh, hay fever or anything like that. You get a crazy acid trip.
1: Yep. That's the, that's the plot. Um, to the show's credit, like for a while, I thought that that was—I didn't think that was the plot. Like, I like that he, it's to the show's
0: credit that for a while you didn't think the plot was the plot.
1: Yes, yes. To the, to the show's credit, there was some successful misdirection. I thought I'd already seen this Voyager episode where they <laughs> find a the planet with the life forms that you know look that that mimic your appearance. Like that seemed like that was what the where it was going, and it was wrong. So. I think Which I'm successful. also
0: okay with, because in Voyager, didn't that turn into, like, a horrific tragedy? Oh, yes. Yeah. I remember the sequel to that episode, yeah, where no, everything that was, was really, terrible.
1: That was really sad.
0: Yeah, this episode wasn't sad. It was just goofy.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Once they are all under the influence of the space acid, um, as we kind of alluded to in the summary, the humans, who are affected more by the space acid than Paul, who's a Vulcan start hallucinating rock people, and they start hallucinating Paul talking to the rock people. And this kind of brings to the forefront all of the prejudices and insecurities that they have about Vulcans and T'Pol in particular, because nobody really trusts her yet, even though Trip has dinner with her every night and gets not quite naked with her in sickbay. I...
1: Uh... I don't remember what happens in Enterprise, but those two are going to have sex. They're going to have
0: sex. Glad we're in agreement on that.
1: Yeah. And if they don't, missed opportunity.
0: Really? What do you mean? They spent like half this episode with guns pointed at each other.
1: That's like the that's like the ideal love story. You start out with guns pointed at each other and hating each other completely. And then some stuff happens. This
0: is not how our relationship started.
1: No, but this is how, uh, like, uh, Londo and Jakar did.
0: Is, yeah, has it's... there ever been
1: a, a more glorious love story than Londo and Jakar?
0: No, but that was also a very unique love story. If you haven't seen Babylon 5, you should watch Babylon 5. It's a really good show, like genuinely good. Yes. Um, is that a good transition into specific pluses and minuses for the sure. episode? All right, let's do it. So let's be nice and talk about some things that we liked first. So I liked everything where the crew is just farting around. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in the campfire scene. I love that campfire scene because they're all just like sitting in a huddle, swapping stories and Travis is telling this ghost story, and everybody's getting all spooky. And yeah. I was expecting somebody to pull out some marshmallows and graham crackers so they could make some and to could roll her eyes at them
1: some more. Yeah. Some more. Oh dear. Yeah, and they, it was great. And then they, uh, after they finished the uh, the campfire, then they all um, they all go into their. Individual tents, and then in the tent that has uh, Trip and Travis in it, there's like a scorpion in there, <laughs> and there's this whole this hilarious scene where they're they're like, "Give me your boot. Why, why do you want my boot? So I can squash it." can we squash alien
0: bugs? (laughs) I don't know if that's covered in the prime directive. Yeah. There was a brief and wonderful moment where I wondered if the rest of the episode was going to be about the ramifications of squashing the alien scorpion. Um,
1: Would have been a better episode. (laughs) They
0: had brought one of the ensigns that they brought with them was a bug expert. And I kept waiting for that to pay off. We'll get to that when we get to the negatives. But yeah, the entire campfire scene reminded me of the campfire scene from Star Trek V. And the campfire scene from Star Trek V is a big part of the reason that I love Star Trek V and all the haters can go take a hike. Um, Including me. Yeah, my my love for Star Trek V is not as ironic as perhaps it should be. But uh, I love that scene because it's just the characters hanging out and messing around and just being with each other and showing the stuff that we love about them. And that is how I like spending time with these people a lot of the time. Uh-huh. So yeah, that was good stuff. What else do we like?
1: Um, I kind of like, uh, this, this was like, I think I think a uh, uh, both like and don't like thing, but DePaul was right. Again, that's two for two. In the beginning of the episode, DePaul's like, hey, you should go... Uh, not just go straight down to the planet. You should send uh, probes and make sure that the planet doesn't, let's say, have poison or hallucinogenic pollen. And everybody's or like, Or carnivorous nah. plants or whatever. <laughs> and and then uh Bacula is just like, no.
0: <laughs> I think he says something like, we're going to let probes have all the fun?
1: Or, yeah, something like it, that.
0: Yes. You're going to let the probes have all the fun, if by fun you mean getting high on space drugs that might kill you.
1: I mean, I would have been okay with an episode where it was just probes sitting around the campfire telling ghost stories.
0: Like, it's a really good thing that the one ensign who sniffed the flowers first didn't die, because then that were, would be very much on Captain Archer. They
1: were so, he was so close to dying. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I looked it up, like, uh, in an early draft of the script, he did die. It it, it was kind of awkward that he didn't, because Dr. Fox was like, you know, I, I, I gave him a treatment, but I think it was too late. And then he looks just all somber, like, I just killed a man, because I wasn't careful enough. And then, like, no, he was fine.
0: Yeah, which is good. Yeah, it's good. The like, episode didn't need to suddenly get tragic at the end. Yeah. Um, speaking of the ensigns, though, I liked Ensign Cutler. Like Tell I thought, me. like she didn't get to do a whole lot because after a little while, it was just the trip into Paul show, and everybody else was sort of window dressing.
1: But they, like, they, not only were they window dressing, like, like I feel like ever. So yeah, in the cave, like it's trip into Paul yelling at each other and pointing faces at each other, and everyone else, like they look like they're passed out from the effects of this hallucinogenic pollen or something. No. They're just pretending to be because they don't want to get involved in this mess that's you going blame on. Do you them? No, they're just like, nope, I'm not here. I'm just suffering. Just let lot.
0: me sleep. Yeah, I'm just not Shut here. Shut up.
1: Go to bed. It, it did seem yeah. a little
0: like that. But they gave her an interesting setup. Um, like, she seemed, like, cute, if that makes any sense. Just, like, you know young and kind of ready to go. And like a younger version of some of the senior, senior crew members.
1: And she kept she, trying to be friends with uh, T'Pol. Yeah. And also like, she- Like I had some of your the plumique soup stuff. And T'Pol's like, talk about work.
0: Yeah. It was like at the beginning of the episode, she's interested in bugs. She's interested in Vulcan culture. Like she has real interests that one could base a character on. She has good on-stream chemistry with Tripp and Travis. Like, I thought that uh, we're probably never going to see her again, but I kind of hope that we do, because it seemed like she had some setup that uh, it would be super cool if it paid off down the line. Yeah. Yeah, so that was good.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see.
0: Are you having trouble with your own handwriting?
1: No, no, I'm uh, out of uh, out of positives.
0: Oh, well, i got more. <laughs> okay. I'm the nice one, apparently. Um, the production design was really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, we make fun of everything being on a soundstage, but the soundstage looked really, really good. Like, it was a very idyllic landscape. It had some mountains and some trees. No, no, that wasn't flowers. the soundstage. That was, that was
1: location, I'm pretty sure.
0: That might have been location.
1: Once they were in the cave, though, that was that was a very specific soundstage.
0: Yes, that was that was one of the standard Star Trek soundstages that that... has been standing since the 1960s. Yeah, Um, but uh, they made it look really good. The lighting in particular was done really, really well. Once Mm -hmm. they got into the cave, there was a lot of uh, good lighting for atmosphere where the lights were turned on for just long enough to kind of unnerve everybody. There was some interesting camera work, especially when Tripp kinda got into the throes of space acid poisoning. So yeah, good good on, uh, I wrote his name down, Herman Zimmerman, production designer, and all the people who worked under him. Nice job. Hmm. And uh, once again, I appreciate that Enterprise continues to work within the limitations it has set for itself. Like, the transporter, still not reliable. The shuttles, still not comfortable. The crew mm-hmm. still doesn't know anything. Yeah. They haven't forgotten about that a couple of episodes in.
1: Yeah, like going into... Like in, and I feel the, the initial part of this episode really was enjoyable because of that. Like, mm-hmm. there is... Like, the, the show has a big danger. Like, they're making a big deal about going to a planet that no human had been to before. And we've watched Star Trek shows where they've done this dozens of times. And this could have been really boring. Eventually it was. But, uh, but in the beginning, like they, they somehow managed to make the you know, wide-eyed wonder of it all feel yeah. real. Feel good.
0: And I think, as much as I hate to say it, part of that might just be the contrast that they set up between T'Pol, who's done this... I think she even said at one point she's been to 36 different M-class Something flats. like that, yeah. Um, and so she has no wide-eyed wonder left, so she's there to provide the contrast for Archer and crew who have faith of the heart at this point and not a whole lot else. Well put. Thank you.
1: So. Got more positives, or are you done with nope, this? Nope, I'm
0: done. That's my list.
1: All right. So uh where do we start (laughs) this this episode once they got into that cave and and it went from happy to oh here's the drama oh wait uh i i'm okay with like enjoying their wide-eyed wonder and stuff i am not really okay with oh i see They're going to fight now because we have conflicts between the main cast and they're going to be all not trusting each other. And by the end of the episode, they'll be fine.
0: And they'd already thrown away a bunch of good setups for conflict. Like, do you need conflict beyond we're stuck in a hurricane force storm and aren't sure whether we're going to survive the night? Like, isn't that a good enough conflict? I mean.
1: I think the bar's been set higher than that
0: well then make it a stronger storm like you can you can do man versus nature it's one of the basic conflicts you don't have to suddenly introduce interpersonal drama into that conflict to make it more conflicty if you set it up right
1: i just like i, I don't want to sit through it because I know it's gonna by the end of the episode they're gonna be all cool with it you don't know about those two ensigns that's true, I didn't know about those two ensigns. I'm glad they're okay though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are okay. Your turn. Oh, that that's my turn? Okay. So one of the things that I mentioned already was uh, setups that don't go anywhere. So a big deal is made over the fact that Ensign Cutler is an entomologist and is a really skilled entomologist. And in fact, they even like have a space bug show up, as we said before, in Trip and Travis's tent, and they don't really know what to do with it, except try to kill it. Um, it doesn't matter. No bugs are important in this episode. We eventually just totally forget about bugs or whatever the hell they were supposed to be researching um, in the course of the last half of the episode. And that kind of thing is annoying, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to give somebody... Especially somebody who's probably not coming back again. Um, a trait like that, have it pay off at least in some small way. Like, is that too much to ask?
1: Yes, that is too much to ask. Apparently. Apparently. Okay. All right. So, I I feel like the direction of this episode. Well, well, some of it like was was good, like you were saying. Other parts of it, like those camera shots, like right up in the face. Like, that was, that was some original series uh, directing.
0: Oh, is that bad?
1: You didn't put it in your positives.
0: I didn't put it in my positives. It was more in my, like, there's positives, there's negatives, and then there's just bonkers cuckoo bananas.
1: Okay. You could probably count it as either bonkers cuckoo bananas. <laughs> I was counting as a negative. Like, I'm looking at them like, oh, this is a little over the top.
0: I mean, yeah, it was over the top. Some of it was cool camera work. Um, The stuff that it was being used to frame was kind of dumb because, like, Trip being on the space acid really, really, really overstayed its welcome once we knew what was going on. Yeah. Like, that part of the episode was just too
1: long. It really was. Um, I think that's why I was so bothered by it. it. You know? We're not going to trust each other. And they just kept going and going. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, they just kind of went mm-hmm. in circles. A lot. Long after we'd all figured out, even not even if not that it was to, like space acid, long after we'd figured out that something wasn't right here and was causing them to act irrationally. Um, he was not down on the planet, but remember how many kind words I had for Scott Bakula last time? <laughs> uh, lightning did not strike twice. All right. Um, there were points where I was pretty sure that uh, his lines were on cue cards somewhere because he seemed so unsure of what he was doing. Like anytime he was moving around the, st- the ship, he had like the same casual wide-legged stroll. <laughs> like walking around the bridge, casual wide-legged stroll. Crew member about to die in front of him, casual wide-legged stroll. Trying to talk one of his crew members down from shooting another casual wide legged stroll. Yeah. Um, and then there's a point at the end where, uh, in order to basically get Trip to stand down and stop threatening to shoot to Paul, he has to pull off like a curt a gambit basically, where uh-huh. he convinces Trip that something, that like some other bigger plan is going on and they have to kind of play act their way through it. And. I didn't buy it. Cause like if this were an actual Kurt gambit, like the audience would have kind of bought it too, because Kirk always seems so sure of himself when he was doing these things like, yeah, it's been this way all along. We're going to blah 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 And you yeah,
1: know, you get six cards or seven if it's Tuesdays or raining. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing.
0: Exactly. Like he's making stuff up as he goes, but you can't tell immediately that he's making stuff up as he goes. Whereas with Archer, like, I'm willing to believe that this is the first time he's ever had to do something like this before, but it didn't read as that. It read as Bakula not being sure what he was doing. Hmm. So yeah, not so good this time.
1: No. You want to talk about that sickbay scene? Which one?
0: Oh, the super awkward one. Yeah, yeah, what was that?
1: I don't even know.
0: So, okay, so the sick bay scene is... Archer goes down to sickbay to talk to Phlox, who had previously told him that the ensign... What was his name?
1: The other uh, ensign? Yeah, Ethan Novakovich.
0: Yeah, him. Or, ne- no- or
1: Novakovich. I don't Yeah, know. Ensign
0: Ethan, um, whose actor, by the way, has the fabulous name of Henry Lubati, which he- is just a wonderful name. Um, but in any, in any case, um, he said that Ensign Ethan was going to be okay, but it turns out that uh, the poison or the, the space acid that Ensign Ethan ingested a lot of actually like causes a toxin to form in your bloodstream.
1: Something about extra neutrons, which doesn't make any sense, but don't worry about it.
0: Something something IDK science.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but so it turns out that uh, Ensign Ethan might actually die um, because Flocks didn't catch this the first time. And he's all very regretful about this. And then Archer is like-
1: Is like, I need to know whether, you know, my crew down there are going to survive until dawn. And Fox is just like standing there like, this isn't one of the lines, why is he still here? (laughs) And then Archer
0: just walks out without (laughs) waiting for an answer. Like he kind of hovers in the doorway for a moment and then he walks out. And then it awkwardly lingers for a couple of seconds while poor John Billingsley is just like, is the camera still rolling?
1: That was weird. <laughs> you know what else is weird? So there was a lot of neat... Back down in the cave where the stupid stuff happened, there was a lot of actually pretty neat lighting because it was mostly flashlights. Except um, that trip. Like, I, I kind of wanted to Paul to be like, my face is up here because <laughs> yes. Trip was just shining straight oh on her on her chest.
0: Straight on her boobs.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh
0: man, it's uh, yeah. It's true. There was a lot of attention that I don't even know that they were meaning to call towards to Paul's boobs, but that they just did. I
1: I think they were meaning to. I do not give anyone at UPN the, the benefit of the doubt.
0: To Paul, this was something I mentioned to you during the episode. Why does every one of her line deliveries sound like she's trying to seduce me?
1: Hmm. I think it has to do with the types of roles that uh, Jolene Blaylock had had.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Like, I'm pretty sure that her background is as a model, not as a, an
0: actress. So she's used to trying to seduce people? I'm guessing.
1: Least. Like, she's actually not that bad.
0: No, no, she's not. Like, she she plays the Spock to... Archer's Kirk, like, reasonably well at this point.
1: But yeah, like...
0: But every single one of her line deliveries, like, I'm trying to recall any specific lines right now. There was one time when Archer calls in to check on them and she says something like, Commander Tucker has a, fa- has a phase pistol pointed at my head, except the way she delivered it was like, Commander Tucker has a phase pistol pointed at my head, if you know what I mean. And all of them were like that.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: it's Just weird. Just like, are you constantly going for sexy? Yeah. Yeah. who knows? We will see whether that pattern continues. We will. So yeah, on the whole, uh, the episode was goofy. Yeah. Not as, not as good as... It's I, the weakest one we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, right? I had a big smile on my face when... Uh when uh, Porthos hopped out of the shuttlecraft, Mm -hmm. and that whole segment down there was great. Um, Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, once the the plot showed up, it got got unfortunate.
0: Porthos is still a good boy.
1: Porthos is definitely still a good boy.
0: Still needs more screen time.
1: You wanted to give out a uh, special award this episode. Yes, so
0: we're going to have... This may turn into a regular feature, depending on how the performances continue. But uh, for now, it's definitely premiering this episode, and this is the bestowing of the James T. Kirk Award for Best William Shatner Impersonation, because there are several members of this crew whose commitment to their roles seems to be play William Shatner really, really hard. So the last couple of episodes, it would have indisputably gone to Scott Bakula as Captain Jonathan Archer slash Captain John Wayne slash totally not... Captain Kirk. Um, this episode, however, he got bested by a considerable degree by his chief engineer. And so the inaugural James T. Kirk Award for Best William Shatner Impersonation goes to Trip Tucker and his actor. What's his name?
1: Connor Trenier. Connor
0: Trenier, thank you. I'm going to remember that someday, probably about as fast as I remember which one's Trip and which one's Malcolm. Um, but yeah, he handed up and he uh, <laughs> he went nuts, and there were like close-ups on his eyes, and he was all ready to just go. Con! At that one was point exactly what this I was episode. thinking. <laughs> Depo- <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yeah, yeah. All
1: so, right. Yeah.
0: So, congratulations, Trip Tucker. You were the William Shatner of this episode. So I think that's about all we got. We're approaching the 30-minute mark here, so this is as good a time as any to wrap up.
1: One one quick little thing for you uh, eagle-eared... That's not a word. Um, eagle-eared? You, you Vulcan-eared uh, listeners out there. <laughs>
0: eagle-eared? Uh,
1: even though we used the magic of editing, can you tell how many times during this reporting we were interrupted by our dog?
0: Because it was like five.
1: Something like that, yeah. The magic
0: of editing is pretty cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, she's finally kind of gone to sleep on the couch over there, so that's good. The yeah, podcast. It's with us like the most.
1: six hours to record this. <laughs>
0: Not that Not much. Not that much. <laughs> the podcast with the most dog. All right. So, anyway, as always, thank you for joining us. Um, if you do like this, please tell all your friends to join the crew. You can find us on a growing number of platforms. So, I know we're on Spotify. Are we on any new ones since the Stitcher. last episode? We are now on Stitcher. So, those of you who get your podcast through Stitcher, you can enjoy us through that platform as well.
1: Oh, also, uh, I think maybe Google Podcasts as well.
0: Oh, okay. Um, The past couple of times I've tried that, the link's been broken, but maybe they. uh, not. Well, someday we're theoretically going to be on Google Podcasts, so keep trying if that's how you get your podcasts. Um, But yeah, any closing thoughts? Nope. All right, cool. In that case, thank you again, and in the meantime, remember to go wherever your heart will take you. Bye.
1: Bye.